for the Athletic Podcast Network. This is the update. I'm Adam Copeland. On today's show, we'll talk to Katie Wu, who covers the St. Louis Cardinals for The Athletic, about Wednesday's National League wildcard game, the Dodgers against the St. Louis Cardinals, with the winner advancing to take on the San Francisco Giants in the first round of the National League Division Series on Friday at Oracle Park. It'll be a fun matchup on Wednesday night. It'll be Max Scherzer going for the Dodgers against another ace, Adam Wainwright, who's pitched so many big games for the Cardinals over the last 15 years. He'll be throwing to Yadi Molina, another guy we've seen behind the plate in the postseason for many years years. This is a familiar matchup and it should be a big rivalry game. Dodgers and the Cardinals, all things we can talk about with Katie Wu, who joins me next. Today is Wednesday, October 6th. It is a pleasure to welcome back to the podcast, Katie Wu. She, of course, covers the Cardinals for The Athletic. I believe, Katie, you're down at Dodger Stadium. How does a, a California, a Bay Area girl, I should say, feel walking into Dodger Stadium? Do you do you get sick to your stomach? Do you get the chills? Is it exciting? Is it exhilarating? How are you feeling ahead of the wild card game tonight? Well, I will tell you, I didn't get, like, chills or repulse or anything, but I did get lost. So that never would have happened <laughs> at Oracle Park. Uh, but I did get lost walking into Dodger Stadium for uh, the Cardinals workout. It's pretty surreal that there's a 16-game difference in the win column between the uh, home team and the visiting team this wildcard game. But um, I don't think Giants fans are complaining about that too much. Maybe just Dodgers fans. No, Giants fans, though, watching with like lots of attention on this game tonight. And I think there's a reason to be excited or hate either team that comes out if you're a Giants fan or be nervous about either team that comes out. But uh, we'll wait and see what happens as far as this game goes. To talk about that on Friday, I want to ask you about what you just talked about, the 16-game difference between these two teams. I think most... Um, whatever you'd call them, experts, uh, talking heads, people like me like to pick the Dodgers just because they're the team with so many more wins. What's the vibe around the Cardinals? Is it the chip on their shoulder? Is it feeling like it's house money? This team won 17 games in a row. There's no reason to feel like they peaked too soon. What's the vibe right now going into this one? The vibe right now is the vibe it's been pretty much all year. They're not staying too high. They're not staying too low. They don't really care if they're the projected underdog. They don't really care that they're facing Max Scherzer and the Dodgers. They have a lot of respect for this club, but the mentality is, why not us? You know, we are just as good of a team. People may think that we're not. That's totally fine. This clubhouse knows what they're capable of, and they've been able to play their best and most consistent baseball all year long in September, and they've been able to carry that success over the last week of the season, even when they were essentially not really playing for anything with their spot locked up. So the overall vibe, I would say, from the Cardinals clubhouse is, you know, hey, count us out all you want. We don't care about outside noise. You know, they pay attention to it, of course. Adam Wainwright will be the first to tell you that Fangraphs had this team at negative 400% to make the playoffs, and here they are. So it definitely fuels them a little bit. But at the end of the day, I think the Cardinals are, are very focused on just what's going on in their clubhouse, and they don't really care what the outside noise says or that seemingly everybody seems to think they don't have a chance in this wild card game. The year of Adam Wainwright of the season he's had has been unbelievable for a guy at 39 years old. He's not doing what the analytics say a pitcher at his age should be doing, especially after, I mean, this is the most inning he's thrown since 2016 in five years or so. He goes, what's he win, 17 games this year, 17 and 7 with an ERA, if you like to talk ERA, down just above three. Uh, He throws over 200 innings this year for the first time in, I don't know, seven years, six years, something like that. Tell me about uh, the confidence they've gotten in him because this is how he broke into the league. He came in as a relief pitcher back in 2005 and 6 and helped them in the postseason didn't make a start I don't think in 2006 and was a, a key part of the back end of that bullpen now here he is many years later still throwing to Yadi Molina and he's on the biggest stage in baseball absolutely you know 2007 Adam made that transition into a starter and he hasn't looked back since he's come back through two gruesome injuries one being Tommy John one being a torn Achilles tendon whenever you talk to Adam he'll really credit 
when they ask, how are you still doing this? You're 40 years old. Your fastball velocity is barely above 90. Uh, and a modern game that really emphasizes, you know, a high velo and spin rate, Adam Wainwright's garnering success and potentially some Cy Young votes using pitch mix and sequencing like it is the early 2000s. And, you know, he, he kind of laughs and he says, I really just credit an entire change that he made to his lifestyle, his diet. He cut out gluten. He cut out sugar. This was around 2016 or 2017, around the 2017-2018 season, where he was potentially looking at retiring because he could not physically play in the big leagues anymore. And he wasn't ready to be done. So he went through an entire lifestyle change. He really likes hearing when people think that he can't do something. That's his biggest motivation. He says that he loves proving people wrong. He fuels himself off of that. He loves to compete. And he's also said this is the most fun he's ever had pitching because he's really had to rely on pitch mix and sequencing and utilizing his off-speed pitches and keeping hitters off balance. You know, he says anyone can go out there and throw 100 miles per hour. And he laughs and he says, but it takes real talent to strike someone out throwing 85. And, uh, you know, I just think that's a classic Adam Wainwright quote. And the career he's had, the year he's had, he's not done, signed a one-year extension with the Cardinals uh, last Friday. You know, it, I don't think the Cardinals are anywhere close to playoff consideration without Adam Wainwright. They probably are ruled out of the race by August without him. So it's been fantastic to watch. An incredible season for him. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Talk to me about the lineup a little bit. Tyler O'Neill has been insane. 286 batting average this year, an OPS over 900. He, I think he tied for the team leads with uh, with Arenado, 34 home runs. He's been fantastic all year. Is he the is he the key that turns the engine over here? Is he the one that makes this go, or or is there somebody else you think that's uh, that's the outlier here that made this team special as far as the lineup goes? You know, it's funny because in their press conferences on Tuesday, Nolan Arenado and Adam Wainwright, when we we were talking about the change the team made to get from June to September and, and what really had to go right for the club, they both credited Tyler O'Neill and moving him in the third spot in the lineup in between Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado, saying that it seemed to just really be that missing piece of the lineup that really clicked. Tyler O'Neill has had a fantastic breakout second half. I mean, the team was always, always high on the defensive possibilities that Tyler O'Neill could accomplish, but there was lots of to work on offensively considering his high strikeout rate, his high chase rate. He really emphasized finding a better pitch selection and narrowing that chase rate and trimming the strikeouts down. And uh, he's seen a lot of good pitches to hit. That's usually what happens when you're sandwiched in between Goldschmidt and Arenado. And the result has been that breakout campaign the Cardinals have always thought that would, would come. And then you look on the other side of the lineup, kind of lower in the 7th, 8th range, Harrison Bader is having the same thing. He's another highly prized, a highly prized outfielder for his defense abilities. Cardinals need to see more offense out of him. Credit's the same thing, cutting down his chase rate, having a more fine pitch selection. He's also been electric. Tyler, uh, Tyler O'Neill and Harrison Bader have absolutely keyed this Cardinals team offensively through September. And you can't rule out the Elk Grove kid, Dylan Carlson, as well. So that outfield is doing the damage both ways lately, and it's led directly to this team's success. Yeah, Dylan Carlson, a 22-year-old kid, as you mentioned, out of Elk Grove. Uh, over 30 doubles this year, 18 home runs, showed a lot of good power, I thought. And a good approach at the plate, even though he does strike out a lot, but that's just baseball in 2021. As far as how they get through this game, I look at just sort of breaking down this game. Max Scherzer's always going to be tough. Adam Wainwright's always going to be tough. And it's even tougher if it's rocking at Dodger Stadium the way it's supposed to be. And you've got this weird 5 o'clock start time where there's going to be funky shadows. This is one of the funniest parts about baseball postseason. I think it looks beautiful at Oracle Park, and they it looks beautiful when you get out to Fenway. Just sometimes you end up with these funky shadows. I expect it to be at least early on kind of a low-scoring game. What's your take on that? You know, I was concerned about the shadows too, but at the workout on Tuesday, the shadows were past the pitcher's mound by 5 o'clock. The 5-10 start time, it doesn't look like they're going to come into play for the hitters, maybe the outfielders, but, you know, I think that the main concern was from the offensive standpoint with these shadows. It doesn't look like they're going to come into play 
But I do think this will still be a relatively low-scoring game. You're looking at two of the most fierce competitors in baseball, and Max Scherzer and Adam Wainwright, two pitchers that have been relied on. I know the Dodgers only had Scherzer for the second half, but they certainly relied on him pretty heavy. And you're looking at a, a really powerful, but sometimes underperforming Dodgers offense that really has clicked it over the last week or so. And the Cardinals offense that's finally found its identity. So I really think it will come down to who has the stronger bullpen. Um, the Cardinals do have a little bit of a weapon in having Jack Flaherty available out of the bullpen. Um, he's had a couple of injuries this year, gone through two separate injury lists since, but will be available for at least one inning out of the bullpen on Wednesday if needed. But the Dodgers are, are the Dodgers, and they have Scherzer. They have the home crowd. You know, I expect this game to go down to the wire. I truly do. Would you expect uh, Jack Flaherty to be the first guy out of the bullpen? Is he the guy who could be a stopgap, just one inning of availability, you think? I think so. It really just depends on the game situation. Mike Schultz has his pretty strategic roles for all of these guys, but all that kind of goes out the window, as you know, Adam, in a winner-take-all situation. If you win or you go home, you're throwing all your best options out there. So we could even see Dakota Hudson, who's just came back from Tommy John surgery, who was a key starter in the 2019 rotation for the Cardinals. You could see him get in there, too. But I think the plan is to get at least six innings from Wainwright and go to Flaherty if needed before, hopefully, for the Cardinals' sake, turning it over to TJ McFarland. Luis Garcia and Giovanni Gallegos, who have been lights out their big three for most of the second half. This is going to be a fun one. Uh, again, the 16 games uh, on top of the, the well, the 16-game delta between the Cardinals and the Dodgers, I just think you throw it out the window when you get to the postseason. Do. It doesn't really you matter do. what the teams have done. And it's funny, I'm looking at the the numbers here as we're, we're talking over this for Adam Wainwright against the Dodgers. It looks like, it, I could be, I can't believe this is what I'm seeing here. Max Muncy, the only Dodger right now on the roster with a home run in his career against Adam Wainwright, and he's not on the roster for the postseason. He will not be. No, he's uh, wearing some sort of brace that we saw. I just saw it uh, Tuesday on the field. It did not look comfortable. Um, but yeah, you know, anything can happen. That's what makes this wild card one game series, whether you like it or not. My personal belief is that baseball should not be decided on one game. They should be decided on series. But hey, that opinion doesn't matter because it's a one game winner take all scenario and anything can happen as we've seen before. That's why it is called the wild card. I'm totally with you. I, I used to feel that way, and then when your team sort of sort of limps in, if you're a team that's way out of it all season, and you sort of sneak in at the end, and it's obviously different because the Cardinals clinched a couple of weeks ago, but if you're a team like the Toronto Blue Jays that got to play till the seventh inning of the final day of the season before you knew you were out of it, I think that's kind of cool. I think that's a cool element. I think so, too. Yeah, definitely will be interesting. Should be some really well-pitched baseball full of big moments. It's, you know, when you look at the wild card teams, it's the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Cardinals, and the Dodgers, four of the most prolific franchises in baseball, and uh, four of the biggest rivalries. So should be a good time no matter who you're rooting for. So I guess we'll end this, Katie, by saying I'll talk to you next week, maybe, ahead of, of Game 3 or something like that? Potentially, yeah, maybe. Potentially. We'll <laughs> All right, Katie, thank you so much. Have a great time uh, at the game tonight, and, uh, and we'll catch up with you hopefully sometime soon. Thanks so much. All right, great stuff from Katie Wu. She does a fantastic job. Her first year covering the Cardinals, and she's covering a wild card game. I said hopefully we'd talk to her. I wonder how Giants fans are feeling about that. Would you rather see Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt and Quan Young Kim and Yadi Molina and Adam Wainwright rolling into Oracle Park on Friday, or do you say bring me the Dodgers and bring me their head on a plate? We'll see what happens. It all goes down tonight at Dodger Stadium. Max Scherzer against Adam Wainwright. Thank you to Katie, thank you to Brian, my producer, and thank you to you, the listener. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever it is you're listening. You're not going to want to miss an episode of The Update in the coming days and weeks. We've got 49er football, we've got Raider football, we've got San Jose Sharks hockey, we've got Warrior basketball, and we've got Oakland Oh, no, sorry, no Oakland days. Just San Francisco Giants playoff baseball. That is all coming up in the days and weeks ahead. On Friday, we will get into Game 1 of the Division Series. Regardless of who wins tonight, we'll talk a little Giants baseball ahead of Game 1 Friday night at Oracle Park. Until then, enjoy the week. We'll talk to you then.